up, everyone? Welcome back to the Season Gaming Bitcast, episode 73 this week. As you can see, Dan Easy Mode Rodriguez is on site here. And sadly, uh, Bert still in Austin. I don't know why. We tried to get him up here. but Doesn't make any sense at this point. Coming to us remote, Bert, the repairman, signs. Nice. So we have... <laughs> We have a packed show for you today, a lot to talk about. So we're going to go through the news, talk about Tokyo Game Show a little bit. We have a really good listener question to cover. We have named that game on the spot. And then if you stay tuned to the end of the episode, we're going to talk about our Gears 5 review and do a spoiler cast and actually discuss the story of Gears 5, but that'll be all the way at the end. So just obviously, if you haven't finished Gears, tune out before we get there. We'll let you know ahead of time, of course. But let's go ahead and get started. Tokyo Game Show, and it can't start on Tokyo Game Show without talking about Death Stranding. So we got a 50-minute Kojima edited, producted, directed, written, starring. what have you, starring yeah. uh, video this week. Um, I have not watched all 50 minutes. I watch a lot of the gameplay clips. Obviously, I've been part of the discussion of what we've seen. Um, I I'm personally, I, I think I'm just resigning myself to that this game's not for me. It's just, it's not for me. There's nothing I've seen that has intrigued me even a little bit. Um, the more we see of it, the more it looks like a um, an experience game, more than like, uh, you know, something you're really going to get an intense play from, if that makes any sense, which is nothing wrong with that. But um, I think we're just seeing that he's going for something story-driven here, kind of movie-driven like we thought. Um, I don't see a lot of mechanics that intrigue me at all. But that's a person, you know. That's me personally. I know other people are super excited about it. So, what do you guys think after seeing more of it? I'm kind of in the middle, right? So it, it's it's at one of those points where it's like, I don't think I want to see anymore. And he actually came out and said, you know, you probably don't want to watch this. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to go in, which is probably what we everybody should have done and should have just not looked at the stuff. Yeah, but that's his own fault. That's it's totally his fault. Hikes. No, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> That's Kojima Kojima. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's 100% him. Um, but, you know, with that being said, I, I watched the whole thing. It was very, very hard to watch because it was in Japanese and I couldn't understand it, you know. <laughs> and But my favorite stuff was just, like, the reactions from the girl that was doing, like, the uh, interviewers, like, the MC or whatever. Mm -hmm. And just watching her, she's like, oh! <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hilarious. I was like, and she was, like, getting so excited. And it was like, I was like, well, he just, you know, picked up a crate. <laughs> you know, so I was like, I, I don't know what's happening still. I mean, I, I some of the stuff looked like it had some potential, some of the some of the uh, fighting, but a lot of it's just uh, transversal, and it's you know they're like, hey, look at this, you can put all these crates on, but to what end? You know, I mean, why are you doing it? You know, that's that's all those questions you don't have answered. Um, apparently you can look at, you know, Norman Reedus's crotch and he'll punch you in the face, um, <laughs> which is awesome. You know, if you keep staring at it, um, it, it's these weird things, these very, very Kojima like things that have me worried and a little bit curious. <laughs> I don't want to go as far as saying I'm super, super excited for it, but I'm definitely going to play it. I'm definitely going to try to give it a fair shot. Um, I just don't, I'm afraid it's going to be super, super long like 300 hours <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 5 long that was me I'm sorry for it I'll never see it again <laughs> we'll see what happens man <laughs> um, so I, I did watch the whole thing and obviously just like Dan I couldn't understand a thing going on from a language perspective because it was all in Japanese um, and <laughs> also to Dan's point it was kind of funny to see 
the um, energy uh, that not only Kojima had, but the the person that was translating or mentioning everything in Japanese as well, um, be so excited about little things, which was extremely weird. Um, but then you would pan over to the person that was playing the game, and she was fo- laser focused, just like uh, Ains gets when he's playing like a story mode. It was it was hilarious. She had like just this super focused like jaw and everything was just like mouth halfway dropped and like oh like what am i watching what am i playing um but yeah so when the traversal was being shown at the demo i felt like it was a tech demo for like a playstation 4 or something or a playstation 5 there was not much gameplay there it felt like they were showing what this engine could do versus the actual game but if traversal is one of the main things that you're going to be doing the entire game it's not for me either i was kind of bored watching the trailer which is kind of weird to, to get bored watching a trailer for a game that hasn't even come out yet now, the part that I did enjoy quite a bit was the, the fighting parts. That was kind of cool, where they were showing the guys floating, and then he would shoot them in the ankles and then paralyze them or whatever the case is. That actually looked kind of cool. It had kind of like a, a horror perspective to a game. And then when, I guess, Norman Reedus' his main character got taken into the other world or you know dimension or whatever, and he was fighting that lion-looking thing, that was pretty cool too. But still, the, the gameplay was seemed very sluggish to me. It was very slow. It didn't seem like a smooth thing. Um, on some of the stealth mechanics, it looked exactly like Metal Gear, which was kind of weird. So, um, I don't know. I'm holding myself back to think this is going to be something good or bad, but I'm not super excited and just rabid about it like a lot of people are. So, um, it's still too early for me to even have any excitement with it. With everything coming out right now, it's not even on my radar. But, you know, it's talked about so much in the news that it's, it's almost forcing itself on us as to this is the game that you have to be excited for when we still have not that much to see. Nope. Agree completely. So I think at this point we've talked about it enough, not just today, but in general. So we'll <laughs> leave it be. And, uh, Hi, Kojima. At, the, <laughs> at this point, uh, still two months from release. And, uh, you know, it gets talked about this much. Anyway, let's move on. We, uh, we got to see Project Resistance, the new Resident Evil. And I think this one threw people for a loop because this is not what people expected out of the next Resident Evil. Um, so we got full gameplay. We see what it looks like. I remember uh, before I could check it out, Bert said it almost looks like a Left 4 Dead Resident Evil, which it kind of does. Um, it, this seems to me like a weird time to release a game like this in the Resident Evil universe. I don't think, and you guys can correct me and Bert, I know you're closer to this than anyone, but I don't think anyone was asking for this. Who was asking for four-player co-op escape mode Resident Evil? I just, with like, kind of nondescript characters. It's not even any of the characters that we know and love. Um, so I, I, I don't know. This looks kind of interesting to me, but not in a way where it's like, oh, I got to play that. Yeah. Um, and Dan, I'll, I'll speak first on this one just because I, I don't know how much you're into the Resident Evil world. But um, it's, it's an interesting take because um, there's no release date or even a release window on this right now. And I think what Capcom is doing is they're kind of experimenting to see if people are interested in this more than... Um, something's coming out. So also to Ains's point, this is not the next full-line sequel that we were expecting, whether it be Resident Evil 3 Nemesis Remake or a Resident Evil 8. It's not that whatsoever. Um, and to expand a little bit more on what there is, so it is the four-player co-op exactly like Left 4 Dead, but there is a, a new take on it, and there is a fifth player that you play against, and he is uh, considered kind of like the, the director, head director, whatever the case is, and that person is playing in a third-person asymmetrical view and trying to kill these people, trap them, you know, put them in different areas where they can't get out of, 
whereas the other four people are playing in a first-person or third-person um, perspective trying to survive the waves. Um, so it's different. Um, I will say that it's it's kind of weird because they were also saying, well, what do you guys think about this? Because the first thing you can do is you play against liquors, you play against zombies, and then there's the one where you turn into Mr. X as the, the head person and you go and try to take them out. Um, and then they're saying, well, what if they bring in new characters like Chris Redfield or Leon Kennedy or something, and then you can play as other bosses from the Resident Evil stuff. Will people get into this? So there is going to be a beta for people to check it out. They're really looking for feedback here to see if this is something that people are even are interested in. So I haven't really got the, the vibe that this is going to be a full release and it's just going to launch in this form. I wonder if they're testing it. They will add things later and then maybe eventually launch full release or something. But it is definitely different. I haven't seen a Left 4 Dead style game like this done like this before. But um, it'll be interesting to see if people pick it up. Maybe people want to play together as that team to survive or play as that person that's controlling everything. Um, I initially, when I put the story up, I compared it like a Saw movie where there's like this guy that's got all these traps ready to go for them and he's watching everything while these people are you know trying to <laughs> survive it so it's different watch the trailer if you haven't it's very interesting yeah and i'm gonna probably pass on this one <laughs> only because i probably couldn't handle it even with four guys <laughs> i couldn't do it um and it looks interesting for sure um capcom over the last couple of years has basically owned everything that they've done, you know, with Monster Hunter. some good stuff, yeah. With Resident Evil, yeah, this year alone, Resident Evil 2 and Monster Hunter Iceborne seems to be... Devil May Cry 5. Devil May Cry 5, right? It's huge. Um, so, I think they can take a risk. I think they can go out and just say, hey, you know, you know, let's see what people think. We're, we're, we've got a, a, you know, a proven IP, 100%. You know, let's see what they can do, you know, a little bit different, you know, and that kind of... That kind of risk, you know, that's why they, they that's why they but done it so well, I think, you know, especially with something like Monster Hunter. But um, Resident Evil fans will probably jump all over it. I, I don't see why you wouldn't release, you know, the Chris Redfield, you know, and, and the, the skins and stuff, like, if that's all it is, you know, or different characters right off the bat and just include it in there so you've got familiarity with the characters. I think that would help them out a lot with this thing. But beta starts soon, doesn't it? I mean, I think I saw some of the yeah, it's... already. It's literally in September, um, and you have to apply for it. It is an open beta, but you have to get invited, which is kind of an interesting one. Another thing just to keep in mind, it is running on the same engine that Resident Evil 2 Remake is running on. And the hint of this, Dan, is kind of like you're saying, why don't they just launch everything at, at, at first, is that they're thinking about doing this as a game, as a service. So you'd, you'd buy in at 29 bucks, but then you'd have to buy Leon Kennedy, Claire Redfield, you know, all these different characters. And the same as if you play as the mastermind, you'd have to buy this new boss or whatever the case is. And so that's that's why it's called Project Resistance. There's no official name for it yet. We don't know. But I don't know. It could be fun co-op. I mean, we had a fun horde mode with five players last night. We could probably do the same thing with four people trying to survive and us taking turns as the mastermind or something like that. So I have no idea. Uh, I'm done talking about it. I'm excited, but I don't know what else to do. <laughs> it just seems like a weird time to go to the 4v1 genre. Yeah. Other games tried that. Um, over well, the past few years, out too, you know, and they're, they're yeah. going to try that too. But th those games died fast. Uh, it just didn't seem to resonate. So, res oh, wow. resonate. Wow, you guys barely even caught so, that. I tried. That uh, I caught it. <laughs> my, my eyes rolled really hard. One thing I will say about it. One more. I, I have one more thing to say. As if you I just didn't said have you were done talking. Yeah. So yeah, I'm done talking. So 
But one thing I will say about it is Resident Evil for me is a very much single player experience where I take my time, I search through things, I look for something, I want to see what the story is doing. So moving over to a full multiplayer thing is going to be a big shift for me that I don't know if I'm interested in. So you were just, we'll just mentioning something else. for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's not Resident Evil. It's not Resident Evil. It's Project Resistance <laughs> with skins. <clears throat> All right. So one I know that you guys are excited for, hmm. Yakuza 7. Uh, announcement trailer, Like a Dragon. And this is going to be a new protagonist. I hope I say this right. That's uh, Ichiban Kasuga. Is that right? Sure. Sure. Let's go with yeah. it. And they're mixing up the formula a little bit. So this one is going to have turn-based battles instead of the real-time kind of combat that Yakuza is known for. And they even talked about having a party. It sounded to me like a, um, you know, like a JRPG style where you're going to have other party members who can uh, turn-based combat and have special moves and kind of supers and that type of thing. So I am not the Resident Evil. Resident Evil, Jesus. The Yakuza guy here, um, so I'm going to let you guys speak to this, but this is definitely a turn in terms of what Yakuza is normally um, known for, and Dan's already shaking his head, so I'm going to let you go ahead. No, was more, you know, was that another intended pun? Another turn based. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that no, was not intended. All right, that was intended? I caught that one. No. Dude, <laughs> all right, so, yeah, I don't know what to think, because for me, Yakuza has always been about the, you know, the combat. You know, and a story first, but the combat just worked well with it. I am not a big turn-based battle guy. I'm not, I don't, I don't enjoy that, especially in this kind of setting. Um, I mean, I can deal with maybe like an XCOM or something like that, you know, but not this. I mean, maybe it'll work, you know, but it, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I was very, very disappointed at first when I saw this. You know, I'm going to probably give it a try. But at the same time, I, I really wish I could just go out and, punch people you know <laughs> so let, let me ask this then because there's a lot of yakuza games you've put yeah. a ton of time into them yeah just being the devil's advocate here don't you think it's time they do something a little different why <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i'm just asking you know i mean I, I play you know i mean you, you can change certain things that they have you know like you know different parts of like the skills you know how skills are are used or how you know you can change it up a little bit this is <clears throat> This is going from one kind of genre almost to another, yeah. you know, right. and, you know, if it were like a, like a side project or something where it was, it was like a project Yakuza, like a project Yakuza, <laughs> yes, Yakuza resistance. Um, <laughs> if it was something like that, where it was just kind of a one-off and they tried something out like that, you know, okay. But, you know, if you're going to introduce a new character, you're, you're stepping into some big shoes, you know, cause you know, no more Kiru and it, it's, it's, this is rough, man. This is rough for me. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, I've always loved the stories. They've always done a very, very good job. But I, I just don't know about this turn-based stuff. Yeah. It's not my... my so, Bert, I know you became a big Yakuza fan, too. What do you think? Um, I think it's different. So, uh, Dan just said it, you know, Kiru's gone. The story is over. <laughs> to, to joke around how many games there was, there was... A total 8, of technically seven games, um, which is starting at Yakuza 0, going all the way to Yakuza 6. And then we recently had Judgment, which takes place in the same area, but not in the same storyline. And then Yakuza 7, or I guess they're just calling Yakuza like a dragon, is has nothing to do with anything that has taken place. It's still in the same time period and everything, but all the characters are gone. Um, I wonder if this is going to play more like a Detroit Become Human type game, to where you're really pretty much playing a movie. The graphics are definitely enhanced here, but as people maybe do or don't know, when you don't have as much gameplay perspective, you can really enhance the graphics because you're taking away stuff from the game engine. So 
Um, it does look very pretty, I will say that, but I need to see more on this turn-based stuff because, you know, some of the funnest stuff that you can do in Yakuza is the action. Um, so if they take away that and the turn-based is not fun whatsoever, I see this being a big issue for a lot of Yakuza fans. Gotcha. All right. I'm going to uh, leave it there since I have nothing to say on Yakuza. So moving to Neo 2. Neo 2, uh, a sequel that we had in Alpha 4 earlier this year. I did play it. It felt very, very similar to Neo 1. I think I talked about it at the time. This one is a, a new standalone title. It's actually a prequel to Neo, set in the late 1500s. Um, but the interesting thing about this, uh, knowing that Neo is kind of like the Souls type game and usually very difficult, is that this is going to have real-time multiplayer to where you can play with three players uh, in co-op. Or if you're playing solo, you can have up to three assistants, basically kind of AI characters that will help you in combat. So. I don't think I've seen a kind of Souls-ish game take this approach before because usually it's about you facing off, you know, against a challenge and there's really no co-op. In um, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, you can obviously kind of call in someone to kind of help you, like one AI character at times, but um, this is different. So does having multiplayer co-op in Neo 2, you know, interest you guys at all? I know this is not your game at all, but... No. Um, does this change it for you if you could play with someone like Greg? One hundred percent no. Um, no, if it were if it was you guys, you know, I I would try. You know, Neo is one of those games where I've always wanted to play it, but I always know that I'll get frustrated. And um, I actually have it. I, I didn't know it was that kind of game before I bought uh, it, and I got it for like ten bucks. But it's hard. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. that's why I haven't played. It. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it would definitely help me out. I mean, if I had some, you know, if it was like a co-op souls, I can actually, you know, bring less than everybody else to the game <laughs> um, and maybe learn a little bit of something while I'm playing, you know, maybe learn, you know, how to play these games. That would actually not be a bad thing. Um, but it's always like a time sink, you know, and yeah. to get, get good on this, you know, it, it's, it's, you just got to put so much time into it and I just can't do that, man. Gotcha. Um, I'm interested in it. I do think it looks nicer than Neo 1. I went back to play Neo 1 not too long ago, but to try it again, and I think it's prettier, uh, but the gameplay still looks exactly the same, and yeah. the same kind of level design looks exactly the same, yeah. too. Um, but yeah, I think if there is multiplayer, and you can maybe revive, or, you know, come at it from different tactics, I think that could be pretty fun. Um, if it's one thing I did like about Neo a lot is the aesthetic of the overall game. I think it's really, really cool. But that, that is a game that I actually got further in than Sekiro, and I enjoyed it quite a bit, but they're Definitely comes to places where I just couldn't get any further, so it was pretty difficult for me. Um, but yeah, if it's got that multiplayer aspect and you can play it in a uh, fun way, um, I'm interested. Um, I'm not sure if it's a you know can't wait to play it type game, but I think it is cool if that's included. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny you bring up Sekiro because um, you know I finished Sekiro. I didn't finish Neo, but I got really far, um, and I prefer Neo to Sekiro. Um, I just think it's a better game. Uh, it helps also that there's a loot aspect in Neo, um, kind of like. Uh, you would expect in, uh, you know, Diablo or any looter. So that's pretty cool, too. All right. Now, my favorite piece of news for the day, Last of Us 2. Yeah. Finally, we're going to get to see it, probably get a release date. The media event is scheduled for September 24th. So only, as we record this, only nine days away. Uh, next week, probably, as you're listening. So time to get hyped, finally, for Last of Us 2. This is... Um, in the top three most anticipated for me personally uh, with Cyberpunk and uh, Halo Infinite. I think those three games, more than anything else, are, are the ones I'm super, super, super excited for. So as people uh, kind of 
go crazy for Death Stranding, I'm going to be that way for Last of Us 2. Um, I don't really know what to expect here. I, obviously, I think we're probably going to see more of Ellie and the story. Uh, it would not surprise me if they finally show Joel and to show what kind of context he's going to be in the story. And uh, in terms of release date, we still think, and I think we discussed this before, but we still think in spring. That's, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. I hope so. Yeah, because what they'll do, right, is that'll be the final boost for PS4. And then they'll just, you know, you'll be able to play it on your PS5, probably enhanced as well, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, this one's going to, this is the same, I'm the same way. This is top, you know, two, really. I mean, between this and Cyberpunk. I'm, and Halo. I, yeah. I'm going to kick off the show today, so we'll just leave that alone. Um, I'm excited to see what this is. Um, I don't want to see too much, but I want to see a lot. Does that make any sense? I want to see just enough to keep me satiated, which is a very weird word to say, um, until whatever spring it comes out. Just don't release any time around Cyberpunk, please. Yeah, just keep, please don't. Please just, please, just keep a nice buffer zone, at least a month. That would be nice. I mean, I don't want to have to rush through this game, so. I think Cyberpunk's going to be one of those Rockstar-like games that just everyone avoids. Really? Man. No, no, no. Like, everyone avoids the release date. Oh, it's yeah. It's going to drop like a bomb, and the other publishers are going to be like, don't release well, within weeks be, of Cyberpunk. Yeah. If anybody could do it, though, and pull it off, it's going to be, you know, The Last of Us 2. So we'll That's see. true. So, Last of Us 2 is my number one game that I'm most anticipated for. I'm going to go with a prediction on a release date. I'm going with Valentine's Day 2020. Oh. So... February 14, or That's 14th, actually probably a pretty good guess. Um, yep. Gives you two months. Oh, that's plenty. Yeah, because I'm going to bury my head into this game when yep. it releases. Um, all right, if we're doing predictions, I'll go with first week of March. I'm going to go with uh, the day after Valentine's Day. <laughs> One dollar, Bob. <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So, But I think it goes without saying, um, this is all three of us. Uh, and probably millions more people. Uh, one of the most anticipated games. Can't wait to see it. To your point, I don't want to see too much. Yeah, uh, I'd honestly be happy with like a three-minute trailer and just leave it. Yep. So. And a release date. Yeah, and a release date. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now to pretty much the exact opposite of Last of Us Two, uh, the Switch and Nintendo demonstrated Ring Fit Adventure. Um, if anything kind of speaks to the player base and what people expect out of their consoles between two things. I think this demonstrates it perfectly. Uh, so this is, if you haven't seen this, this is a new thing coming for the Switch. It's kind of combines an adventure game with a workout. Um, and you use your Joy-Cons in this unique looking, I don't even want to call it a fitness device because it's, it's not. Ring. It's a ring yeah. and it gets you fit. Yep. Um, That's it. I, I don't even know how to describe this one, guys. Um, it, it basically, it's a, you know, an kind of easy game that you kind of make these movements with that are considered kind of exercise or calisthenic-like movements uh, to get you through the game. And supposedly, you know, helps you have a workout while you play. I have zero interest in this, uh, just to be completely honest. But if nothing else, as we've come to expect for Nintendo, it's unique. It will probably be a fad for... Um, some people kind of like Wii Fit. If you remember, Wii Fit was a uh, one of the best-selling games I think of all time. Um, so it won't surprise me if this becomes a hit. But um, definitely, definitely interesting. Definitely very Nintendo. 
Yeah. Did we <laughs> did we even get a price tag on it? No. Not that I saw anyway. It's probably gonna be two hundred dollars. That's my guess. The yeah. best the best part is, and not to interrupt you, Bert, but keep in mind, all these people get ready to buy switch lights, you can't play this game. That's true. Unless you yep. attach your switch to your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I no, don't know I, what I, um, go, go ahead, Dan. I no. I mean, I, I, basically, this is not going to be for me because one, it probably won't go around my body because I'm too fat, and two, I'm too fat because I don't exercise. So this is, you know, hard pass <laughs> for a fat man here. <laughs> it's a pass back. I'm sorry, Bert. So, and and what, I I know we keep interrupting you. It is eighty dollars. Does it come with Joy Cons? Okay. No. So it's a rubber band. No. But you can put a joy Rubber band in a game for $80, yes. No, so Not. let me explain a little bit more what it is. It's it's this ring that, um, I don't know the best way you can think about it. You know those rings that you like playing a pool with or whatever for diving? <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like that, and it's got like an elastic feature. And you literally plug your Joy-Con to the top of that one, and then you use your other Joy-Con with a strap around your leg. So the, both the Joy-Cons plug into there, and as Ain said, you do things from like squats, you do like hula hoop type movements uh, back and forth with your hips, and you do all these weird different things. And the biggest thing that I don't understand how people continue to do with Nintendo consoles is the number of peripherals that come out for Nintendo consoles that are only supporting one, maybe two games is just shocking to me. Because I remember when the Wii came out and when I started seeing those pop up on Craigslist and eBay, you'd see like a kit that came with like a Wii Fit, it came with like a gun, um, you know, like a light gun adapter for your Wii controller, um, then you had other things that you'd put on your wrist. I mean, there was just all these different things that would come out and they'd only be for one game. Um, and we're starting to see it with the Switch now. First you had the Labo experiment that, you know, sells really well and then you can see them on clearance a month later, whatever the case is. And now we're seeing it with this new ring fit thing. And I'm not sure if this is going to gain the same traction that it has in the past, but it's kind of silly um, altogether to me. But if that's something that people get into, good for them. It's Once again, I don't think it's for any of us, but $80 for, for that is uh, a little... A little bit of a stretch. Like I said, I think it's more of an experiment of what the tech can do, but I would love Nintendo to do something with this peripheral and then make like 15 games for it or something, not just one game that you'll be using maybe once or twice and then never play it again. So it's it's kind of strange, but that seems like that's what Nintendo does these days. So I just got to roll with it. Yeah, Pablo, man. <laughs> and it's, to Bert's point, it's sold, right? I right. mean, it went crazy. Just, yeah. See, what if you combine the two? Yeah. <laughs> You put your little thing up here. You'd have to have extra Joy-Cons. But you have your Labo up here. You'd have your little thing on your leg. You could be like a karate man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to Bert's point, this is a, a, a super simple game if you saw the gameplay. And you get a plastic ring and a leg strap. $80. Yeah. Makes no sense. If this goes on clearance down to about $15, $20, I'll buy it and just make a video of me playing it so we can all have a laugh. Yeah. But uh, other than that. All right. Moving on, last piece we just wanted to touch on. This is not really news. Uh, well, I guess it is to a bit, but one of the Gears 5 developers from the Coalition, uh, Colin Penty, was talking about the you know the technical achievements of Gears 5 and how they did certain things with the engines and just happened to slip in there that he's super excited for Xbox Scarlet and said that the dedicated ray tracing cores are going to be huge. Now, we've talked at length about... Uh, Xbox Scarlet hardware and what the differentiator is going to be between that and the PlayStation 5 potentially. Xbox has essentially said that it has uh, ray tracing built into the hardware 
previously, but everyone just kind of, you know, has kind of blown it off almost because it's almost hard to believe uh, because that kind of technology is very expensive and advanced and you wouldn't expect that in a console that's probably going to be 500-ish dollars. But uh, this is another confirmation of it. And so really all that means is that, um, you know, Scarlet is going to be the kind of futuristic, more powerful console uh, next year that we expect. So as we've said before, that and PlayStation 5 are going to be a really good time next year. Super excited. And just one addendum note um, this week, Phil Spencer also happened to mention that he played his first games on an actual Scarlet unit this week. So those are out there. The dev units are out there. And uh, we're only just, gosh, just over a year away probably. Um, bring it on. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm ready Same for way. the can't wait. generation. Man. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I can't That's wait. Exciting. Yeah. Did, did, did I can't just, wait, but did I... Did you say I, anything I, about the actual achievements popping in Gears 5? <laughs> because that was more important. We have ray tracing. <laughs> uh, we just don't have lobbies that work. <laughs> the achievements actually don't work. But it's a very, very big achievement. <laughs> but, I mean, to this point, we've all, we're going to talk Gears 5 shortly, but, I mean, it is a technical achievement. It oh, is yeah, a stunning sure. game. Um, and just to think that... There's hardware coming out a year from now that's going to make this hardware look weak. It's it's pretty crazy to me, really. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, can I go now? I did not have to go. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you know, this wouldn't happen Hold if you're in Kansas City. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. I just look at you. I just kind of turn my head and go, hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> um, all I can say is that if Gears 5 can look that good, then I think there's still a little bit of life left in the X and the Pro. Um, I, I'm looking forward to see what the rest of stuff is, but man, if, if Gear 5 is going to look dated in one to two years, let's just bring it on. <laughs> oh, echo Dan. He's jumping, yeah. on the, jumping on the train. Yeah, I'll echo Dan. Checking the mail. A <laughs> 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 right. check every time. So we have a, uh, the listener question we picked today, and just a reminder if you're listening, um, we are going to kind of pull out a listener question every once in a while to discuss. You can reach us just bitcast at seasongaming.com. And we'll check in on those. If you want us to say your name, uh, let us know. Otherwise, it can be anonymous. But we've got kind of a deeper one this week. And so the question we got asked is, for the three of us, is what do we think are the major factors of a successful launch in today's market? And what carries the weight, you know, into that successful launch? So does it have to do with when it's released? Uh, basically, social media influence and influencers. Review scores. Uh, the strength of the IP, you know, something like Borderlands 3, obviously everyone's waiting for. Um, and then, you know, if the launch is buggy or lackluster, <laughs> Anthem, um, you know, maybe that affects it as well. But what do we think is the, uh, you know, what do we, it's probably a little bit of all, right? But what yeah. do we think is really kind of the key to getting a successful game uh, to launch and be above expectations in today's market? Pretty good question. All right. Yeah, that's a good question. Who wants to go right. first? Go I ahead, Bert. to say on it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Do I feel honored or what? Um, so I'm going to definitely say release window plays a key point um, with how crazy the fall has been in, in previous years and this year is going to be even crazier. If you release your game next to a Borderlands 3, a Cyberpunk, a Modern Warfare, and you have a great game, there's a high chance your game's going to get ignored. Um, even more if it's the same genre. Uh, you've seen that happen too. in the past. Titanfall 2, we saw it with Dishonored 2. Yeah. We've seen it with a lot of games that were fantastic, but they released in just a horrible window and the competition was too much. Um, and then just kind of fell in the past. Um, also, when big reviews or maybe Game of the Year stuff has come out, if you release somewhere inside there, there's so much hype when they're talking about those other games that your game gets lost in the shuffle as well. 
For me, social media influencers play no role whatsoever. I'm actually uh, avoid those these days because I've seen games like Crackdown all of a sudden be known as the best game ever and don't let anybody tell you it's not anything good and then you actually play the game, you're like, what the hell is this? And it's kind of like, I was listening to that social media person telling me how great this was and all they were doing is pushing their console of choice or their game of choice or franchise of choice. So I don't listen to that so, at all. So, so that, on that point, Bert, is that, that sounds personal though. Are you, you are yeah. you saying that social media influencers don't have an impact on the game in the market? I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on the people. If you're if you're a person that really listens to social media influencers, I think it does. Um, if you're a person that doesn't, it doesn't play any role for you whatsoever. I would say that industry wise, I think it does get a little bit more traction, but I don't think people buy it. I think they'll take a second look at that game when they maybe didn't care for it at all before. Um, okay. Review scores, um, I think they do play a big role from giving you an idea of how good or bad a game is. If there's a game that's coming in at 90% or something on Metacritic, Open Critic, you're definitely going to be like, wow, this game, a lot of people are talking about it. It's supposed to be pretty good. It's getting really good scores. Same thing if you see a game that's coming in at a 40. You know, it's like, oh, man, we were really waiting for that game, and it turns out that it sucks. So um, I think it's an indicator. I think a lot of people only look at the score and nothing else. Um, I think it plays a lot bigger of a role. And then you also have development companies that will rate their game on how well it does on a meta or an open critic something. And there's even bonuses that people have been known in the past. If you score a 90 or above, everybody gets a bonus at this uh, developer, whatever the case is. So um, that's a big thing. Um, IP history and strength, I think, is very important. We've seen a lot of games that have had trilogies, just sequels or whatever the case is, and people buy it just because that, even if the game is not that good. Dead Space 3 is a good example of that. Borderlands 3 is another example of that. I think people just wanted to get back into that world, into that gameplay, even though the game's really not that new or that advanced or anything. Hey, people are just excited I'll to play it. talk about that. Borderlands 3. Hey, it's the truth. It's the truth. Um, and then finally, launch bugginess is a. I haven't even played it. Hasn't even picked up the damn game. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to play it in order to know what everybody else is saying about it? I don't know so you're saying you've been say. influenced by social media? What? <laughs> oh my God! This is all falling apart. <laughs> you, you, you guys aren't actually going to argue with me and tell me that game is advanced anywhere to no, where no, we are no, in 2019, are you? Just okay. You shit Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And then lastly, uh, launch bugginess is a massive problem for me. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a game I love. It doesn't matter if it's a game I hate. If you launch in a buggy perspective and you expect me to beta test for you, I'm not going to play your game. Um, so that has become a bigger issue with me. Um, and as crowded as games have come out and launch windows these days, there's so many other things to play that I can put a game aside now and wait till that game is fixed, <clears throat> Anthem, and then play it later on down the road when, when it's ready to Still go. Still not worth playing. My two cents. Yeah, yeah. my two cents. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say on it. Go for it. Uh, well, for me, it's, it's, it's one thing. I mean, it's when you release a game, it needs to be complete. It needs to, you know, be fun. I mean, for, you know, that's subjective, but I mean, it needs to be in good shape. It's I don't, don't want to say bugginess necessarily, but it has to have, you know, because every game releases with bugs. It just does. You're going to find something. Somebody will find something, and they will make it way worse than it usually is, <laughs> or they'll make it way, you know, better than it actually is. But, then, you know, that's your social media influencing. Um, I think that's uh, the biggest thing. So this year we had Anthem and Division 2. It's like it's the same basic you know, genre, but one launched to just dumpster fire, and the other one launched, and it was like, man, this is great. And yeah, it had its bugs, but, you know, I mean, what doesn't? Um, nothing game-breaking. Nothing game-breaking, right. right. I could play through it, 
you know, and it's that you've got, I've always said this a hundred times, you've got to strike when the iron is hot because of so many games releasing, you know, you, you're, you're going to get lost in the shuffle and left behind. And that's what happened to Anthem. And they, they have tried, you know, to claw their way back, but it's not easy because you constantly have games coming out. So, you know, you've got to hit it, you know, like, and just ride the wave, you know, not just kind of putter out and fall on your face when you're jumping in the water. So that, that's the biggest thing for me. Just have a complete game, have, you know, enough content to, you know, get me going. I, I don't know how much social media, I mean, obviously they do. They, you know, you know, companies will now send, you know, these big box sets to these social media influencers, especially YouTubers. Um, and, and they get all this stuff and some of them don't even care about the, the game. So it's, it's, that it's, I don't know, man. I, I would say 10 years ago, it was magazines, you oh, know, yeah. right? Yeah. It was like Game Informer and, you know, whatever, e, or was it? E, Game Pro, EGM. E, EGM, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was just, that's where you got your information, right? You know, and that came down to review scores, you know, it was like, okay, you know, this is basically what I had. We didn't have a Metacritic, you know, where we could, you know, take everything and condense into one thing. So, I, the release window, I, all this stuff plays in a, a big, big part, but I just, I just want a game to come out that works. <laughs> you know, and it seems like that happens less and less these days, which is, you know, uh, I don't know why. Maybe they're just rushing and it just kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you guys touched on a ton here, uh, so I won't spend too long. I think I think there is a big difference between personal and yeah. successful launch. We're talking about kind of two different things. Um for me, I'm really with you guys. Uh, you know, review scores don't matter a whole lot to me. It's more of just a, a really low-level guide. I kind of I'm at an age where I know what I like. Mm -hmm. uh, like Death Stranding, it may it could get a 98 on Metacritic. I'll still wait to play it or play it at some other point, um, just because it's just not the game for me. Um, I sadly, guys, I think social media influencers, YouTubers, streamers have a much bigger influence on the market at large, uh, maybe than you guys mentioned or think. Um, I just you know, we're not the people for that. We're we're a little older. We've been around a long time. We know what we like. But, I mean, those those people, teenagers and people um, in their 20s, I mean, I can look at my son. He'll know stuff about games that are I've never even heard of. And it's just there's people, his favorite YouTubers, getting millions of views playing it, and he'll want to play it. Well, let me ask you this, though. A lot of those guys will get those games, and people will just watch the game, like Gears 5. Yep. They'll watch him play the whole thing and never pick it and up. And never though, play it, yeah. Right? That, that's, that's why I don't think that's as big of a deal, because people will just watch it now instead of actually playing the game which bam, it just explodes i mean i don't even know how it's the same thing but you know that that's i think they do to an extent but i just don't think it's as big as you know sending somebody a 300 dollar you know well i think that's thing. the point i think you know we don't have the data on this we're speculating a lot right yeah. but I, I don't think that companies like microsoft and sony and them are sending out you know tens of thousands of five hundred and thousand dollar packages no. to people if they didn't actually see some results from it right you know yeah. they have the data so share I, it with us <laughs> um <laughs> i think review scores are huge though i think um you know a game like god of war now god of war is a incredible game so it doesn't need the review scores anyway but the fact that it was such a highly reviewed game and just got talked about so often for being so good uh, definitely, I think, contributes to, you know, additional sales in that factor. And IP, history, and strength, I think, is huge, too. I mean, Spider-Man is a perfect example, right? Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is now one of the best-selling 
or the best-selling exclusive one of them yeah. on the PS4, and uh, that's because people love Mar They just struck at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, and it's a good game. So, uh, And then I think release window we don't even have to touch on because that's just a key. Um, as Bert said, we have perfect examples of release window just killing games or really helping games. So anyway, um, good discussion. I don't think we need to stay on it you know, any longer, but uh, great question. So thanks for submitting that one. So with all that said, um, let's talk briefly about what we're playing. So um, I'll go real quick because uh, I've been playing nothing but Gears, and we're going to talk about that at length here after, you know, at the end of the podcast. And then, of course, Borderlands 3 is out. We've talked about that. That's uh, outside of multiplayer. That is all I've played since uh, last week. And um, it's, it's, it's Borderlands. I love it. It's got a lot of new wrinkles, a lot of kind of quality of life improvements over the old games. Um, but it's uh, it's not reinventing the wheel here. This is this is like uh, you know everything you love about Borderlands just in a nice new package. So having a ball with it. Yep, I've been playing Borderlands three and not very much of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I just I've been playing Greedfall a lot. I actually finished it. Um, I'll have a review up hopefully soon. It's I mean if. It's 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 satisfying the itch that has been left empty by Bioware. You know what I mean? It, it's 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 got that. Everybody's comparing it to it, and with you know, rightfully so. It, it's it's basically Dragon Age Inquisition oh, with a new story. Shit. Okay. But you know, with like some some new, you know, better graphics. Um, but I mean, it's basically the same thing. Everything from like the skill sets to the to the different kinds of conversations you can have. You know, you raise your charisma, you get better. You know, yeah, outcomes with your with your discussions with people. Um, it's a good game. Um, but I think uh, we talked about release windows. Bad time to release. Yes. Bad, bad, bad. Because I'd be checking it out if it yeah. wasn't for Gears of Borderlands. It's yeah. It's just. This, this is one of those things where it's like, man, you really should have thought about this one a little bit. Give it a couple of weeks, man, even. I mean, jeez. But yeah, that's, a, that's all I've been playing. How does it run? Fairly well. Um, I, I've seen some, a few, uh, almost looks like waves coming down like my screen. I thought it was my TV at first. I was like, no, this can't be my TV because it's the only game that does it. And it, it's, it's infrequent enough where it's not, hmm. you know, terrible, but it runs really well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, t talk about release windows. I didn't even know this game was coming out. <laughs> uh, the marketing hasn't even been that good on it. Um, it's a smaller developer, um, but to Dan's point, if it's like Dragon Age, I'm, I'm interested in it. It just probably won't be till 2021 before I give it a look. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it looks cool. Um, I've been playing a ton of different things, so I probably my busiest week of gaming I've had in a while. Um, did get the Plague's Tale, which has been pretty pretty good. I actually like it quite a bit. I'm surprised on how good it is. Some of the talk on how beautiful it is is there and then you get to some of the voice acting and some of the audio and it's not very good but it's that developers moved a long way as far as uh, that kind of quality has come out uh near automata i'm playing that as well um i'm probably at hour 10 or 12 so i still have a little bit of ways to go but i want to finish that up by next week dirt rally 2.0 i had a racing itch had to get into it and i'm loving it so much it's fantastic um, I did get Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Um, this is another game that didn't evolve that much from Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. Um, it's pretty much the exact same thing with the story that we just saw in the movies. And um, that's my biggest critique towards it. I want to see something different. I'm tired of the whole Thanos saga. 
for the Avengers story to be nothing but Thanos, 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 Thanos over and over, and the Avengers having such massive storylines in other places, I wish they would have gone with a different story. Um, I'm over Thanos like times ten. So bring on something different in the Marvel world. Are you over um, at three thousand? I am over. Oh my god, I ran into that one. <laughs> Boom! Uh, Ains doesn't understand. What I'm, I'm over saying. Iron Man, and <laughs> I'm over Iron Man in general. A lot of people don't realize that Iron Man is not a big character in Marvel comics. He's he's like a B character, but for some reason in the movies they made him into the central character, and they've really run with that to where it's nothing but Iron Man and Captain America. And like I said, the Avengers roster is massive, so do something else already, please. Um, and then Gears 5, uh, fantastic game, loved it, we'll talk more about it at the end, but that's about it. Funny thing is, I think that's really due to the power of the actors, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, yep. right? I mean, it's just, they've changed mm -hmm. the scope of how people think of the Avengers. It's not the, mm -hmm. the old school comic guys, you know? That's not the people that are really into these movies. I mean, they are, but you know what I mean? The, the, the mass audience doesn't understand the true history there. Yep. So, all right. So you have an on-the-spot question for us, so yeah. let's uh, go ahead and hit it with us. Pretty, pretty hit us one. with it, is what I meant to say. Yeah, whatever. I'll hit you. We were up late playing Horde, man. Real late. <laughs> uh, Alright, so, uh, really simple question. If the year ended today, which game of the year? Right now. For this moment. For me, it's easy. Gears 5. It's not, nice. even, a it's not even a question uh, for me, but that's, that's personal. Yeah, it's personal. That's all right. It's a great game. Yeah, it is. Yep. I probably put it at Resident Evil 2 Remake for me. Um, nice. To me, that's the biggest experience that I've had playing it solo. Gears comes close, but I didn't care for the story that much, and we'll talk what? about it later on. But the multiplayer is there. So um, as a whole package, I prefer Resident Evil 2. Um, I was nice. about to say Kingdom Hearts 3, but you guys would lose your mind, but I'm not going to say it. You that. can say it. We don't have to like it for it. it. I mean... <laughs> no, it's not. Less it's good. It's good, but it's not game. It's not a game of the year contender. Oh man, I, I actually, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this myself last the other night, and um, I was like, man, you know, I, I played so many games. Yeah, but really, uh, well, I almost called Burt Craig. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, we almost got crazy here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, a Plague Tale is probably my most my favorite game I've played so far. It's not like technic technology. Technic I've heard a lot of people say that. It's, it's, yeah, it's just it's yeah. a really good game. Yeah. You know, and because and, when I play Greedfall, it kind of reminded me a little bit of it. You know, just the, the setting maybe, just the... the okay. And, and I was like, man, I really need to go back and play this again because I really, really did enjoy my I need myself. to finish it. I'm on like chapter seven or eight oh, of Plague yeah, Town. I didn't, I didn't finish it. Yeah, so Dan, are you are you getting like um, are you getting Hellblade vibes from it? Because I get a lot of Hellblade vibes yeah, from it. And I like yeah. it a lot. It, it's yeah. it's it's not like you know where it, where it's gears where it basically takes a lancer and smacks you over the face. <laughs> you know, it, it's very it's more subtle and it, it's but it's it's really really well done for a very small you know uh, yeah. studio. I mean, yeah. it was it really kind of stuck with me all year, and I'm, I actually bought it again nice. on the PC. So I'm going to try to play through it on there. Because um, I'm trying to expand a little bit off of my console, it's not working great right now. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna try a little bit and see how that goes. So it, it speaks to, um, you know, it speaks to really that a game is can be an experience. It's kind of like what I was saying with Death Stranding, right? If it, right. if it offers an experience that's memorable and unique, then even if the gameplay is not that um, deep, it can still be very interesting. Because Playtale's gameplay. Nothing. I mean, it's very yeah. straightforward. Yep. But if it offers a, a good story and unique experience, then that's really good. And then on the counterpoint, 
for something like Gears, and I talked about this in my review, is I also, for me, I look at a game as a total package. What am I going to get out of that game? Um, and Gears is, is just, you get the campaign experience and story and characters, but then you get a, a suite of modes that I will be able to play for years to come. Mm-hmm. That, that has waiting for me, you know? So it's, it's hard to compare the two because you're talking about a 15-hour, one-and-done experience right. versus something I'll put 500 hours into. And it's, it's just a very interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> well, cool. All right, guys. So we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and do Name That Game. Um, so let's get started. I actually heard some funny feedback this week from a couple listeners saying they love this section. So, which is really cool. I had a buddy talking to me about it the other day. He said he listens in his car and he doesn't know games like we do, but he just loves kind of hear us talk about it and try to figure out what the hell we're talking about. So well, At least these two. <laughs> so Wait, I am hosting this week. Is Bert's head going to appear here in the middle? Yeah, oh, Bert's going to be magically appearing here on our screen at this time if you're watching. Arms. Ta-da! I think it's worth watching just for that, to be honest with you. We kind of want you to do like the, you know, like the, uh, what was floating it? head name for Pee-wee? Pee-wee Herman? Pee-wee's Playhouse? Yeah, for Pee-wee, what was it? Was? I don't remember. What was that? The, the wizard's name in the just the head in the box. Oh gosh, what was that? I can't remember. Was he a pervert as well? It or? was like it was like Mecca Lecca Hyde. Like I'm going a little further back on this one, but it's it is it's still kind of an easy one. I was I wanted to do a hard one because we've had too many easy ones in a row now. I wanted to go hard, but I just I don't know. That's what she said. Yeah, you know, sometimes you. You can't always go hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. here we go. Who's who's guessing first? I'll go first. All right, just for Bert. So this Sonic. game no. released in 1988 Oof. for the NES. Uh, Google 14. <laughs> no. Thankfully, no. Uh, that's unfortunate. Is that your guess? Dan? I'm not joking around here. <laughs> no, serious <laughs> guess. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ninja Gaiden. Mm, tough game for the time. No. All right. <laughs> it has frequently been referenced as I'm gonna pull a Burt one here. Frequently been referenced as one of the top 100 games of all time, and it also influenced future title uh, mechanics in the genre. That's a very vague clue. Yes, it is. Um, I'd like to go with a lifeline here. Yep, go. Oh. The question is, is it Nintendo only, or did it release, or actually, let's see if I can ask that question, because you can only answer yes or no. Is it Nintendo only, and did it ever come out on the Genesis? Um, bear with me. It's like two questions. Or I should say the Mega Drive. Yeah, oh, hold yeah, on. Was... I'm sorry. So this is a tough one, and you'll understand why in a second. Give me one second so I can answer it accurately. Mm. Sorry, guys. I this is a, that that question is phrased in a way that is uh, very relevant, which you'll see why shortly. Bear oh, with me. Geez. That's a hint. It is really yes, but I'm just trying to make sure I get this right. It might have been Sonic. <laughs> so Kingdom Hearts 3 huh? Dude, dude. Yeah. yeah Kingdom Hearts 3 is great <laughs> alright so phrase the question again okay because it's got to be yes is it no only, is it only exclusive on a Nintendo console 
I don't know how to answer this. <laughs> I really don't. Um, Did it come out for another console? Well, this <laughs> game. This it, specific game. Yeah. Kind of? Kind of. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how to answer this, guys. Well, I'm, like, I'm like, was it, was okay. it part of a re-release? Like, 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 this is like a whole... Well, that would be my so, question. So, it... <laughs> all right, I, I'm going to have to go beyond yes no. I just have to because yeah. this isn't going to make sense. It was later ported to a different console, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was named something different and it had some different features. Like a freebie. So I don't know how to answer yes or no okay. on that, but that's the answer. Well, this is all confusing. You said 1988, right? Yes. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, Worms Armageddon. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no. Uh, Earthworm Jim. No, it's probably too way too early. Then. It's funny because my next hint Bert, basically touches on your question. Nice. Mm. No, let's go with. You say Earthworm Jim? That's a great yeah. game. Is it? Yes, great, great game, game. But uh, that's a that's a big fat no. Yeah. All right. So here you go. So two sequels were released in '91 and '92, respectively, and there was also a port. Uh, of an enhanced version in 92 to the Sega Genesis, which was published by Trade West. Oof. <clears throat> it's your guess, Dan. Trade West yeah. is going way back. I know. Yeah, I remember, I remember the banner. Me too. Uh, I don't know. Double Dragon 2. That's a good guess, actually. But yeah. no. That is a good guess. I'm going to go with uh, Robocop. No, that was a cool game. There was a oh no, the, oh, you know what I was thinking of? ESWAT. You remember that game for the Genesis? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, oh man, RoboCop was uh, RoboCop was Data East. Remember that game? Oh, Data, Data East company? was great. Bad dudes. <laughs> yeah, bad dudes. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> All right. Okay. So it, it like I said, this isn't really a hard one. I tried to keep it vague. Um, the game featured an isometric view, but it was criticized for not having two-player capability. Therefore, the sequel allowed up to four players to play together. Wow. That was a long one, but I'm trying to give you multiple hints here. Is it my turn or your turn, Dan? Your turn. <clears throat> Wait, gonna go with, you go, uh, go. Was there ever an arcade uh -huh. version of the game? No. Okay. Unless uh, my memory mm -hmm. is completely shot, but I don't think so. I'll double check. Go ahead, Bert. Final Fight. No, I love that game though. It's yeah. funny because you guys are guessing. I, I, I almost did a. Well, I'll say it later. I'm not going to say it now. Mm. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, yeah. but I hated the TNT game for the NES. I love the Super NES one. Yeah. Um, but I hated the Nintendo. Did you just call it a NES? The NES. A NES. Oh, yeah, you can say you can say NES. You can't say SNES. That's the law. Oh, oh. wow! <laughs> you might want to kick yourself off the show now. <laughs> and I've kicked myself off. All right. Question for hint five. The soundtrack was composed by David Wise, and if you don't know who he is, he also did work on Donkey Kong Country, Banjo Kazooie, and most recently Ukulele. And I've actually talked to him on Twitter. Really nice guy. It's on me. Um, gonna throw, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna ask for a lifeline here. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Second question. 
Is the franchise dead? Yes. <laughs> you guys, man. man you guys are, no, seriously, I looked up a lot on this game, but you are asking some good questions. Um, damn right. So. You're no damn right. I, I'm going to. I'm just double checking. Yes, we're going to say it's dead. Meaning there's been no new game in the series for a very long time. Since the 90s, yep. All right, Dan, you're up. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, I have no idea. Um, After this, it gets a lot easier. Super Ghouls and Ghosts 3, 4, 34. All excellent games. <laughs> yes. But no. No. Yeah. Ghouls and Ghosts one of my um, favorites. It was one of, it's one of the best. Four players. Uh, how about Thunderstrike? No. God, that's going into the history books. Oof. Mm. All right, gets easier. Question six, or hint. I always say question. Hint six. Hints. It's question. This game was developed by Rare, and boy, they were, excuse me, they were working on a later sequel or addition to the series, but instead the game evolved into Diddy Kong Racing. Say that one more time. Oh. So Rare was working on a, a follow up to keep the series going, mm -hmm. but the game instead evolved into Diddy Kong Racing. I know this game, I just can't remember the name. Hold on, Bert. Was it a racing game? That's my second question. Yes. Okay, there you go. The racing game. The racing game. Um, this is one of those where you guys are going to smack yourself, because it's, it's quite obvious once you know what it is, of course. Which makes I sense. Can't, I can't remember the name of the game here. Um... You, yeah, you drive a Ferrari and you're driving on the beach. Oh, I know um, what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like the Ridge Racer or something else. Ridge, Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I'm going to pass. I, I, I've gone blank on it. It's tough when you're on the spot. Yeah. It is, yeah. Because right now I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, you guys are going to kill yourself. But go ahead. Um, damn. I'm trying to think of the racer that was later ported to the Genesis. If it's rock and roll racing, I hate you. <laughs> so, as a little side hint, this is one of the games that is considered um, as influential for games like rock and roll racing. Mm. I have a guess, but it's not my turn. So. What? RC Pro Am. That's it? Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Nice. I told you when, when you knew it, it was obvious, but... Yeah, that's exactly nice. what I was going to say. <laughs> good job, good that's job. That's the only race where I could think Rare did. I so, yeah, developed by Rare. You were thinking of OutRun, Bert. Oh, OutRun. Yeah, OutRun. Um, yeah. What, what was the game at the arcade where you had the wheel and just the pedal? Was that Super Off-Road or something? Or? Uh, that's Super Sprint. One of my favorite games. Super Sprint. Yeah. Such a great game. It was. I played that at DraftKate. Yeah, we did. They have it at DraftKate. A um, couple other hints real quick. The racing game featured 24 tracks, and the player had to be in the top three to advance. And cars could be upgraded by driving over items, and you could attack other cars as well. Nice. <clears throat> awesome game. So Cool. Dan got it on question six. So you should have said Rare. I should have known. It's part of the Rare Replay. It's on Rare Replay. That's yeah. why when you said it's a franchise dead, I was like, uh, yes. All right. Good job, guys. 
that is name that game for this week. So we, at this point, everyone, we're gonna uh, close out a couple housekeeping items, uh, and then we're gonna get to the Gears 5 review discussion and spoiler cast. So real quick, Dan's got a review of Greedfall going up in the next day or two. Probably as you're listening to this, it'll already be up on the site, so check that out. Bert published a new uh, video of the PDP face-off controller for the Switch. That is live on our YouTube channel right now, so please check that out as well. And Dan and I are kind of uh, working together to discuss Borderlands 3. Obviously, being a big Borderlands game, there's a lot to it. It's going to take a lot of time to really kind of experience a bit before we publish our review. So look for that in the coming uh, week or two, I would say, yeah. in a little bit of time. So anything else, guys, before we move over to the uh, spoiler cast? Yeah, the Pound Sega Genesis cable review will finally be out this week. I was waiting for the launch of the Sega Genesis Mini for it. So if you're interested in a HDMI solution for your Sega Genesis, watch this video. Sweet. So, and uh, you've also done videos on the Pound HDMI solution for the Dreamcast and the Xbox. Dreamcast, yeah, and Xbox, yep. Yeah, so those are up as well. They're actually uh, pretty cool. We met with Paul Lung from... Uh, from Pound previously, and uh, so we have a lot of good insight there that Bert gives you, so check that out. All right, everyone, so if you don't want to hear the spoilers of Gears 5, you want to go ahead and disconnect now. As always, thank you for listening, watching, super appreciate it, and we will talk to you guys next week. And three, two, one, moving on to Gears 5. So, guys, real quick, I'll touch on uh, my review, um, and then we can kind of discuss the game as a whole. So I gave it a nine, sensational on our... On our uh, kind of meter, if you will. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the campaign. I thought the new wrinkles they added with Jack, uh, being able to upgrade him and just have kind of like a, a companion, if you will, on the on the journey was really fun. Um, I love some of the environments and battles that you got into. There's some bigger areas here. It's not as, excuse me, not as linear as some prior Gears games, which I really like the way they open that up. Um, there were a lot of Easter eggs for Gears fans. The collectibles really harken back to other titles. Uh, in a lot of ways, some of the Gears community is saying that this campaign was like a love letter to Gears 2, which uh, I would agree with. And Gears 2 was previously my favorite campaign, so um, you can tell I probably love this one. Um, I thought that uh, some of the events that happened at the end, which we'll touch on, were, were pretty striking, especially if you're into Gears and you know really love the characters. And um, yeah, I just love it. I think the multiplayer is extremely well done. Uh, it's the most polished Gears has ever been. Um, new escape mode's fun, Horde is polished. Uh, obviously the, the launch was rough for the Ultimate Edition owners. It's, they cleaned it up pretty quickly, you know, less than a week, it's pretty much cleaned up now, but uh, you know, they need to be in better shape at a launch, especially when certain people are paying extra money to, uh, to get in early. So overall, I adore the game. Uh, I'm going to be playing it for a long time to come. And uh, what did, do you guys have any questions on my review, or do you really want to just get into uh, kind of the spoilers? No, I mean, I'm, I played it, man. So it was, I'm, I'm in agreement with most of everything you said. So I did enjoy it as well. So, and you, you're a good perspective here because you're not a huge Gears fan. Right. Don't really play many of them. Um, but as you said last week, as you were playing through the campaign, it really kind of sunk its teeth into yeah. you and you, you enjoyed it. So. For sure. Pretty good. Bert, any questions for me or any uh, initial comments? No, I mean, I agree with your review as well, Redden. I agree with just about everything. I mean, I think we differ mainly on the story. That's the only place we differ. But okay. um, one thing I will say is from a technical aspect, I will say the bugs really ruined a lot of the campaign for me to enjoy it. It's 
constantly concerned if my save was going to take place, yep. and so I was constantly like not as involved in the campaign as I really wanted to be. And I'm wondering if that's really playing a big role in my view towards the campaign. So, mm. but we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Well, we can move on to that then. Yeah. I mean, um, so from a story perspective, you know, uh, I read the book Ascendance that takes place between Gears Four and Five, which actually set up the relationship between Kate and Marcus quite well. Um, so, you know, we, we see here Kate take the role, uh, the lead role, pretty early. Um, and we see her struggling with her lineage of, um, you know, being from uh, Mirror, uh, who is the queen, obviously, in Gears 3 and prior games. And then uh, Reyna, God, I couldn't remember her name for a second. Reyna being her mom. And, uh, you know, at the end, we obviously see Reyna is basically taking over. She's not dead. Like people thought in Gears Four, did you finish Gears Four? Uh, no. Okay, so Kate thinks Rain is dead in Gears Four. Mm. She basically watches her die. Right, I watched the the recap. The recap. Okay, yes. yep. <laughs> and so uh, you know they've kind of set it back up now, where Reyna is taking the reins as uh, the queen. <laughs> the puns are flowing. Um, <clears throat> so that aspect I think is well done. I really like the. Um, I like the kind of segments with Kate where she was having flashbacks and you kind of see like the screen went all red and you would see different events happen. I thought that was very cool. I thought that um, watching in Act 2, I believe it was, where you control a Scion and he and you basically kill Oscar was pretty shocking. So again, in Gears 4, Oscar is like a godfather, basically uncle right. to Kate. And he's like a really funny, really kind of lovable character. And so to basically kill him, what equates to yourself killing him, um, I think that was a pretty stark moment in Act 2. Um, do you want to maybe attack the story like section by section or just give an overall view on the entire story? What, what's your... Oh, I don't care. We can do it either way. I was kind of touching on just the, yeah. key, the key plot points. Yeah, so I guess I'll talk about my issues with the story. Um, so obviously there's... 5X, if I'm not four. mistaken. 5 or 6X, or 4X. Um, the first act, you play entirely as JD, um, and then it hands it off to Kate at the beginning of Act 2. Um, and I'm a big Marcus Phoenix fan, um, and in Gears 4, you spend most of your time with JD. And so I almost start to wonder if Gears 4 story was that bad to where we just didn't care about JD as much in the second one and it's handed off to Kate. Um, or what it really was, because I wanted to see more about JD. I wanted to learn more about him. I wanted to know what his struggle is even further with his father, what his father may have issues with him, and more about JD, because there's a lot of hints about JD in general in Gears 5. And then my issue with Kate is that they talk a lot about her story and what's going on, but they also leave a ton out. There's all kinds of holes about all the characters that I have a lot of issues with. And I think at the end of Gears 5, I left myself wanting more, and it almost felt like... Gears 5 was a stepping stone into what Gears 6 is going to be. It didn't feel like a complete story. It almost felt like a prologue to what 6 will be. So I, I wanted more from the characters. I didn't feel like a lot of the story was there. Um, and then as an overall campaign gameplay experience, I had an absolute blast. Some of the set pieces were fantastic. Some of the things that you do are fantastic. But from a story perspective, I did find myself many times saying to myself, why am I doing this mission right now? Why is it important to any of the characters? Is this just, just a fetch mission? Am I doing this because this? And I think in the world, some of those side missions really fill in the rest of the story as to why this battle is going on. And I think the game struggles to spend more time about the world itself 
at some times, and then other times it focuses too much on the characters and leaves the rest of the world out. So I think it kind of struggles with an identity of what's going on in the world. I do think it's a step above Gears 4, but I still didn't care for Gears 5 as much as I did with the original trilogy. And in the original trilogy, I had strong connections to Marcus Phoenix, to all the characters in the cogs. I mean, when some of those characters died in 1 through 3, it really affected me. And this one, there's only one moment at the end that really affects me. Um, and I'm, I guess well, it was the spoiler cast. When you have to pick between Dell and JD, that affected me only because you lost one of your favorite characters. But you, like when JD dies, you don't care. You're like, okay, the game didn't spend any time with this character. I don't care that he's dead. But when Dell dies, it really affects you because you spend all your time with Dell. And then there's also a point in the game where JD comes back to help Kate. You don't know why he's back. You don't know why he decided to come back now and why he didn't. You don't know any of that stuff. So for me, I really felt like I wanted more from Kate, and I felt disjointed from a lot of the other characters. Right on, man. See, I'm, I'm almost completely the opposite. I thought <laughs> Kate was what hooked me into the game. Okay. I really enjoyed her character. JD, as I've said before, can suck it. <laughs> when I played 4, the reason I never finished, I mean, I had time. I could have probably plowed through it and put it on super mm -hmm. easy and just finished the game and just easy got the story. Yeah, that's my name. So, I got to a certain point in Gears 4 where I was just like, I don't like JD at all. Like, I just don't care about him. <laughs> yep. I don't I don't think that he's very interesting. You know, he's kind of just like a brat, you know? And so... <coughs> When I started playing five, and I was like, okay, more JD. I said, I thought we played as Kate during this. Played through the first act. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then as soon as Kate took over, and then we see Oscar, you know, die, and we, we, we start kind of having those flashbacks and those little flash whatever they are, not flashbacks yeah. necessarily, just those visions and visions, stuff that she has. Yeah. You know, I thought, okay, we're getting a little bit deeper here and there. I love Dell. Awesome. I, and I loved him in four. Yeah, that was, that was the only one in four where I was like, okay, I like this guy. Yeah. You know, because he he doesn't necessarily like serve a purpose. I mean, he does, but it, it's it's just it's he's your friend, like regardless. You know, it's just like it's like that's what you want. You want that buddy. And I think that's the the marketing campaign for Gears Five kind of led into that, right? Because it was it was bound by blood for Kate. It was bound by duty for JD, like his mm -hmm. duty to the cog. And for Dell, it's said bound by friendship. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. He's a likable character yep. the entire time. He's really, really well written. And, you know, I 100% saved Dell. I mean, there wasn't <laughs> even the, like, like, the only reason I hesitated because I didn't know what was happening right when it oh, happened. Oh, and it makes you go. Yeah, dude. yeah. Like, it, it, it forces you to make that decision fairly quickly. And I was like, Wait, what, what am I? Oh, I gotta choose one. Oh crap! Oh yeah, well get the hell out of here, JD. You're toast. And I mean, I didn't even. It, it didn't. There was zero weight to that moment for me, because you know, I mean, it should even even as much as I don't you know I don't play Gears. I'm not like a huge campaign guy. I've enjoyed what has happened so far. I understand the story, um, but I just could not stand that character. So it was like it wasn't even like. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm, there's no way I'm not saving Dell. I, mean, I think that kind of speaks to Bert's point in that um, JD, so Marcus Phoenix is a beloved character. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like, for Gears fans, he is the man. Well, yeah, if it was like choose between Marcus and no, Dell, but, but that would be a huge, But huge that's my point. Like, well, Dell would have died. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that how, as a company, do you start a new 
trilogy saga and continue the story with Marcus, right? But somehow make his son as lovable. You can't do that. Like, it's impossible. No. There's no way they could have yep. ever made JD as lovable or as likable as Marcus. It just wasn't going to happen. You would have to kill Marcus. Yeah, and they're not going to do that, right? Or they may eventually, but... Right. Um, so I think that's the problem, is there there was no attachment to JD. I, I don't think many people have an attachment to right. JD. Um, so it kind of speaks to that point. Yeah, I mean, but, but otherwise, I mean, I really enjoyed... I mean, all the way to the end, I'm you know looking forward to another yeah. game. Um, I, I, I thought some of the parts, you know, as far as, like, the transversal, while super, super fun on that skiff, yeah. were kind of boring. Okay. Until you, you yep. know, because especially when, when at, towards the end where you, you could, you go into one certain area and the storm hits. Yes. Like they could have done something like that throughout that whole thing and made it at least challenging and like at least eventful. Because there's times where you're just going and you're just like, okay, this just is cruising around. Boring as hell. <laughs> so know. the only thing I liked about those moments was the banter between the characters. Right. You get to learn more about Dell, and they talk about some history stuff, and I like that. They kind of filled it with that. But you're right, the gameplay itself is pretty just cruising around. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the moment with Jell, Jell, JD Jell, and Dell, yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. JD and Dell. It, it struck me harder. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm so invested in Gears Universe. I I became. Um, I really grew to love Dell, as we all just said. He's an awesome character. But just knowing you had to kill off JD <laughs> for the reasons we already said, but that is Marcus's son. And so the immediate thing I thought is, uh, and if you guys recall, before you leave for that mission, uh, JD says, I'll see you when I get back, Dad. And then Marcus says, you can count on it. Um, yep. And so that kind of struck me as like, oh shit, we're going to have to go back and tell him that JD's dead. And then it, the weight of that immediately hit me. And loving Marcus so much, that's I think that's why that moment struck me a little stronger than what you guys were saying. Um, well, no, that that's kind of what that's kind of what I didn't like is the fact that we just didn't care for JD as much as we wanted to um, because of that conversation. But the story, I think, it, I actually went back and played it as killing uh, Dell and then killing JD to see what the differences were. And there was a pretty powerful moment um, from Marcus when he does see JD versus when he doesn't. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll have to go back. I haven't done that yeah. so to go back and yeah. do that. I, I think it's interesting what they're going to do with Six, right? Because now you've got two paths yep. you have to make. Right. Um, and they're going to have, you know, in Six they'll have to have that pre-thing of, did you kill Jell, Del, or did you kill JD? Uh, <laughs> why do I keep saying Jell? <laughs> um, I have a funny question for you guys yeah. um, on the story. You know, I, I've seen these dumb articles written that Gears 5 was not an evolution in any form, and it's just Gears all over again, which I think is further from the truth than possible. But did you guys get the vibe of Halo when playing the game in the sense to where you would arrive to a level and all the characters were already walking around in that area and you had to kind of choose your path from a stealth perspective or go guns a-blazing versus past Gears where you would arrive and you would have like a whole arena or whatever and then the guys would come at you yeah. um, from different areas. Yeah, so... so I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I got a big Halo vibe from it. I, I, it's kind of like watching the enemies already doing around, and how are you going to attack this situation versus let's get here and then be attacked from somewhere else? Yes. It, I've definitely felt Halo. Yeah, in fact, uh, the Coalition spoke to that. Um, they said that it's the first oh, really? time in mm -hmm. Gears 5 that they had areas where um, it was player-initiated combat versus just combat. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you didn't even have to do a lot of those areas, right? I mean, a lot of that stuff was side side missions. Um which, yeah, I agree completely. That's new to Gears. It was a completely different approach. And there were a couple times where I kind of, like, stealthed around the back and hid behind something and tried to kind of angle myself with, like, an M-bar or something yep. at a 
you know, a better uh, position, which was cool. I think that is an evolution of gears. Um, one piece of that, along with Jack and well, Jack kind of goes into that. You know, I mean, you can upgrade his stealth to where it's you're you're basically invisible, and you can run around and just start stabbing people, and <laughs> yeah. nobody will ever see you. Yep. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge addition, I think, to the game is Jack. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily as flushed or fleshed out, I guess, as they could have. I think they could have done a little bit more with them because it felt like you know you use those two things and then all of a sudden I got I got nothing man you know for a lawyer, like the, the cooldown times and stuff were really awkward like I almost want him to make it neither more in depth because right now he's just kind of like another gun at this you know well, spray basically <laughs> you know so this is probably a bad comparison but it reminded me now not story-wise obviously the the connection to the character is nothing like it but as a playability thing it reminded me of Atreus a little bit where like he's kind of with you and he right. shoots his arrows, and he take he can hurt enemies, and you can direct them to attack certain people. It felt a lot like that from a gay place perspective. Yeah, I to don't me. know because I I felt worse when Jack died than when JD bit it. <laughs> I was I'm just gonna, gonna say that the, the, the hardest yeah, sacrifice in the game that was, was Jack. the worst. That was the worst part for me. I was like, oh no, 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 no. And even even Baird yeah. was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, no, it was like a fuck. Yeah, the second the second that uh, Baird started saying, "I have no control," you know, Jack's taking over my controls. I knew that he was going to sacrifice oh, himself, which was kind of cool. He's man. We need but, we need a memorial to we Jack. Need, we need more. Yeah, we need just. Yeah. It'd be cool Jack's. if they do a memorial to Jack in Gear Six. They should just have. I bet you they like just like bring him back. I mean, he's an AI. Yeah, so. they'll probably make an improved Jack for Gear Six. All Jacks. Jack like two point oh. Play his characters anymore. He just plays Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one point I wanted to touch on that you, you mentioned, Bert, is uh, with JD, is I agree with you. The one thing that jumped out to me that kind of annoyed me, and they didn't touch on this in the book either, because that was really a prequel to 5, is JD, he, he's he got his normal haircut from 4, and he's fine. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of an asshole. And then you go off, you take over his cape. He shows back up in Act 3 with Foz, and Foz is hilarious, by the way. Um, yep cool new character and before I forget the moment when Foz is talking about the mission and Marcus no, looks at him and goes it's Foz right and he goes yeah and he goes shut the fuck up Foz dude that <laughs> yeah. just had me cracking up that was hilarious <laughs> that was, yeah, was hilarious but, you know that's another thing you know, it was so funny at times like when they were sitting there and they have like, good writing they yeah, do and yeah. I think it was they, it was in the act 3 when they were running through one of the things and JD's like the the their asses have been wiped clean or something I can't remember exactly what it was Though the assholes have been wiped clean, you know, I was like, what in the hell? Yeah, like, and he's and like, they, maybe that wasn't the best yeah, way to say it. Yeah, and then Kate, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, the banter awesome. between characters is awesome. But um, what was I going to say? About JD is he comes back in Act 3, he's shaved head, he has a scar, his arm's all fucked up, and we don't know why. Yeah. Unless, I mean, did I miss something? Like, it's I'm like, when, I'm it's like, yeah, it, it was when the hammer of dawn yeah, came down and hit. Yeah, I, I know, but I mean, there was no context to, to Burst right. Point about what exactly. he had been doing. Exactly. Like, like what that was, because I know he presses a button at one point on yeah. the arm. And like it, but then there's no context to what he had been doing in that time. Yeah, no, oh, no, you're right, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So. There also seemed to be some kind of a romance between him and Izzy Carmine. Um, of something like he cared she more about best. her and why he had to save her. So I, I that's another. I mean, the Carmines are. I love. I love the family. It's like the worst curse family love, of all so, time. Do you know yeah, the Carmine know history yeah, here? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I thought she was really cool. I was like, awesome, a female Carmine. Like she's kicking ass, and when then they killed her. I was like, God damn it! Oh my god! Yeah, I was like, god damn it! They killed her off already. 
I was so mad. But they but they killed her off like in a serious way versus a comical way, which was also kind of a different thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, there's things I love about the story, and there's other things that I kind of left my head scratched with. But um, you know, it's good. I love that. Uh, time. Clayton Carmine was back. Clayton's awesome. Still alive too. Yeah, Clayton's a bad Good job, yeah. Carmine. <laughs> yeah, Clayton. Clayton never dies. No, so Clayton's awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, so set up for Gear Six. Uh, the one th- comment Kate made right at the end, which I thought was awesome, and again may harken back to Gears Two, is when she said, um, "She said we're going to have to kill her." And she, I forget what she says, but we're going to have to kill her. and We're going to go after her, basically yeah. after you know the Queen or Reina, um, which is, if you recall, what they did in Gears Two. They went into the Locust, basically base to uh, try and yep. fight the Queen. So I'm, I'm super pumped already uh, for Gear 6, which is three years away, so sure. I better just temper myself. So, so Ains, on that point, like, God, we're, we're going long here, but are you getting the vibe of like the Star Wars reboot vibe where it's just the same story with different characters again? Or are you feeling like they're going to do something completely different, even though they're attacking it the same way that they did the first time? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it's funny you mention that because... I don't agree with him a whole lot, but Ryan McCaffrey mentioned that Gears 4 felt a lot like Force Awakens. Um, and that yeah. was like the new yeah. cast, you know, new cast and crew. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can even answer that because I'm not as super well-versed on Star Wars universes as you guys probably are. But it, it feels like it does have some type of similarities in the arc uh, of how they're yeah. evolving this. But... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You might know better. I mean, yeah, I'm more of a Star Wars guy than Gears guy. But yeah, I, <laughs> I can see the comparison 100%. You know, I mean, it, it's it's just kind of starting new, you know, still has some of the old characters. It's yeah, kinda, you but know. see, in Force Awakens, you know, they kill off Han Solo, right? Whereas right. in Digital World, you can kind of keep people going. I just, I don't know how you get rid of Marcus. I just don't. That will be a moment. That's... that. That's, that's another thing. So Kate Diaz is no Marcus Phoenix. No, and I wonder she's if she's going to no. be able to carry the, the franchise into the future the same way Marcus um, did with the first trilogy. So we'll see. I mean, I, Marcus has to die in the next one. He's going to be like 97. <laughs> um, so, But uh, that's going to break my heart more than anything <clears throat> when that happens. Um, but, you know, whatever. I'm done. <laughs> I just had a funny vision in my head. You were talking about how, or we were talking about how JD, like you just can't replace Marcus. With his son, it doesn't matter. Nope. Like he can't. I was looking at the chief post here. I'm thinking it'd be hilarious. Like they show a little mini Master Chief, you know, like his son. It's like no, I just yeah, you just can't take over for Master Chief. It just can't happen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, which, which brings up which brings up a good point there, Ains. Yeah. I mean, so would Halo be Halo without Master Chief, nope. and would Gears be Gears without Marcus Phoenix? Nope. So I mean, what are they going to do going forward with these franchises? Once I mean, you can't have Halo Ten and still have a Master Chief story <laughs> going on. You can't have Gears Don't Seven. Don't blaspheme up in know? here. <laughs> Well, that's, I, I think I'm standing up for exactly what you think. I mean, where, where do these franchises go once they're, t- you know, main characters, it's time for them to move on, and will there be a move on? Yeah. So. I don't know, because it scares me, because they're two of my favorite franchises and two of my favorite characters, and I don't know the answer yeah. to that question. You'll have Steve 118. Steve 118. <laughs> 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 so next. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> By the way, they're, they're already past 117 yeah. by a lot. That's all right. The Spartan program's yeah, done. Well, you don't know Steve. <laughs> don't know Steve. Steve changed all the rules. Yeah, you have no idea who Steve is. All right. Anything else on Gears, guys, before we close out for good? I enjoyed it. Um, I'll just I hope- say that. Okay. Cool. From from a multiplayer perspective, I'm looking forward to the characters that they're going to add. I'm looking forward yeah. to the maps that they're going to add. I'm looking forward to the modes. So that's one thing that Gears can't be beat on. 
you finish that story, you talk about the story forever, but then you can talk about multiplayer for the next one to two years, and even after that, with everything they keep adding. So bring it on! Yeah. Mm. Fuck yeah. That's two times. Could you get that? All right, gonna start. <laughs> the Marcus lines. So, on this ending note, in in Horde, or when you're playing... Um, when you execute an enemy with Marcus, one of the lines he says after you kill someone is, your mom was a classy lady. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other one he says where he's like, you had more meat on your bones or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, he's like, you lost or... a lot of weight. <laughs> Don't judge my tomatoes. <laughs> oh, man. Apparently there's an Easter egg in Gears 5 where there's tomatoes. Um, yeah, there is. And there's yeah. also a huge Easter egg that I missed and I'm pissed. Where if you collect certain collectibles through the game, you go to a memorial yeah. and you place them down, and you can see all the old characters from Gears that have died. That's cool. That's I mean. That's How did really I miss cool. that? All right, I gotta find it. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for listening on Spoilercast. Uh, my review is up. Open to hearing what you guys think about Gears. So definitely let us know. Send us a note. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. If there's any complaints, things you loved, hated, etc. For now, that is the end of our Spoilercast and Big Cast Seventy Three.